Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday. I'm Joel Norris, and whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, or listening on Podbean, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to listen to some college football news, highlights, and coverage presented by me. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, leave a like on the episode, and leave a comment down below. If you're watch, if you're listening on Spotify, share around with others. Follow the channel there. If you're listening on Podbean, same thing. Share around with others and follow on there as well. We have Twitter and we have Facebook. Twitter, it's at pigskin underscore frenzy, all lowercase. Just type it in, follow the page. You get automatic updates for not- for episodes and you get notification updates for news and highlights across college and NFL football. Facebook, same thing. All you got to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy, follow and like the page. You get updates for episodes and news and highlights across college and NFL football. Today in college football, we're going to be talking about the NCAA uh, proposed rule changes for the game coming up in 2023. We're going to be talking about the rumored sanctions going on with the Georgia Bulldogs in Athens. And we're also going to tie everything in together for today's episode with the transfer portal, how it's changed the landscape of college football. And we're going to talk about the current team rankings for transfers in 2023. Kicking it off with the rule changes in college football, the NCAA meets in Indianapolis um, and they are you know they regularly meet for all sports but this was you know kind of months in the making uh this was kind of during the 2022 season thinking about you know okay we need to change some of these this, these rules up we need to make the game go by a little bit quicker because it drags uh and there are some games that have dragged there's some games that have lasted for a good four hours, <laughs> you know, and a lot of it was because of penalties and a lot of it was because of just incompletions and the clock being, you know, stopped. And so with these proposed rule changes, that kind of, these kind of, this kind of speeds the game up. The game time wouldn't be four hours. It could be, you know, a little less than two, two and a half hours, you know, or three hours even. But I mean, it, it changes a lot up. And some of these rule changes that I'm going to get right here to is from, it's proposed by the NCAA. It's on their website. Um, and all, all the, what they're proposing is this. Uh, teams would be pro- uh, prohibited from calling consecutive team timeouts, which means you call a timeout, you can't call another one right after that, which means this happens a lot when field goals are happening during the game. Uh, so during halftime, during, you know, the end of the game when they're about to try to hit a game-winning field goal. Coaches call timeouts consecutively to try to, quote-unquote, football term here, ice the kicker. Now, if you ice the kicker, it means you're getting in their head. It means you're trying to psych them out. It means you're trying to not let them kick that game-winning field goal and let and try to make them miss. And it's... It's a known thing in college football. It's been known for years. Um, the pro- calling different timeouts and calling consecutive timeouts like this um, not only ices the kicker, but also drags the game out. And I think a, a lot of what the NCAA is talking about here is, okay, what we need to do is try to get teams for calling consecutive timeouts because they do it not only not just during you know icing the kicker, they do it when they're about to make a Hail Mary play or a, a play before half or, you know, before the end of the game. So, I mean, it's, that's a good, good rule change there. Uh, 
I would propose that it it kind of you know makes everything go by quicker. The next rule that they're proposing is penalties at the end of the first and third quarter would carry over and be enforced uh, on the first play of that next quarter. So at the end of the first, there's a targeting. That will be enforced at the start of the second quarter. Now, usually that does not happen. But, I mean, this could change. This, If, if these rules come to effect, that, that could change. And say you're say you're, uh, uh, one of your best players does a pass interference and it's 15 yards and it's at the end of the quarter, you think that's gonna you know automatically you know okay that's gonna diminish it's at the end of the quarter doesn't really count anyway. Well, that's changed. <laughs> that's gonna change and um, that's gonna matter. So it's gonna matter into the start of the second quarter when your teams when, when the team that uh, you're playing against. It's going to be at the 25 yard line <laughs> or, you know, wherever, uh, you know, wherever uh, the committee, the, you know, the 15 yards happens and, you know, they, it's the ball, the ball spotted. But I mean, it, these rule changes are, are huge, honestly. And, and let me tell you why they're huge. It does speed the game up. It also prevents injuries and injuries is a big thing, especially in college. I mean, especially with you know, what they're trying to do with a 12-team playoff coming up. It's more football. Um, it keeps people healthier. Nine-game schedule for uh, Big Ten, SEC, you name it. It helps, you know. I mean, these rule changes helps, and going forward speeds the game up so you can have a little bit more energy for the next game and the next game and the next game. Speeding the game up is not necessarily a bad thing. Now, for fans who love football, so they're like, oh, man, I wish the game would have lasted longer. Well, you know, it, it, I, I hate that for fans who love football, but at the same time, you know, you got to think about the players in this situation. You got to think about injuries. You got to think about, you know, fatigue, and you got to think of games going by quicker to get to that next football game. It helps, and there are a lot of pros to it. I honestly, in my in my opinion, do not see a lot of cons to changing the rules up in that area. Um if I may add some rules that do need to be looked at, I would say uh, what is pass interference and what is targeting. If we're talking about changing some rules up, I think we need to dive deeper into what a pass interference call is and what a targeting call is. Um, you know, crown of the helmet, head, shoulder, neck area. I understand that, but there's been a lot of missed calls on targeting this year. That is not only uh, cost them points or cost teams points, it's cost, honestly, cost teams games because of calls like this. So we need to get calls right on that. Also, same thing with pass interference. Tugging at the jersey, I get wrapping your whole body around when the ball's literally, you know, being thrown and the ball's, you know, close to you in the vicinity. I understand that. Literally just hopping on someone's back and just, it's like a piggyback almost, you know? I get that. That is clear pass interference. But when it's a little tug at the jersey and it's, you know, or someone gets tripped up and you call pass interference, it's too easy. And not only, and this goes with the, you know, the clock here for the for the proposed rule changes that they're talking about now. Uh, it slows the game down, <laughs> you know? A lot of calls like that do, you know, it does in fact slow the game down. So, I think that is one right there that needs to be looked at. Pass interference, targeting, 
Um, speed the game up. If we're talking about speed the game up, that would be a start right there to look at those two calls and define, clearly define what's targeting, what's not targeting, what's pass interference, what's not pass interference. We've been struggling with that the past year and a half with, with uh, officiating, and I'm not not calling out officiating. I'm just stating what I've been seeing around football, period. And it's what needs to be looked at. It's uh, two big calls that can easily turn games around, uh, whether it's a, 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 a decision for the game or it turns the game around where it costs the other team points in that moment. It still impacts the game. It slows the game down, honestly, and we need to look at that and we need to define and set rules and boundaries on what is targeting, what is pass interference, what is not pass interference, what is not targeting. So those rule changes are good. I agree with them. I just think we need to look at some other rules as well on top of, you know, considering going to those rules in the fact for 2023. Moving on, we're talking about the NCAA still. Um, and this has nothing to do with, you know, the rules or anything like that. But we're going to go ahead and go switch gears to Athens, Georgia, and talk about the defending national champions, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, yes, for the past two years, they've been on top, on the field success, Highly touted recruits, great head coach and Kirby Smart. They're still recruiting well. They are still, as what many spectators call Alabama East <laughs> in the Southeastern Conference. However, not the best offseason for the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, multiple arrests have happened, with including Stetson Bennett, including Jalen Carter, uh, and stemming from even last year with uh, Kenny McIntosh running back for the Georgia Bulldogs there. Uh, some transfers like Adonai Mitchell. He went to Texas. Um, they lost Todd Mockin to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, granted, they got a good offensive coordinator with Mike Bobo, and we can talk about that later on in a future episode. But they lost Todd Mockin, who's been a huge success for their national championship uh, runs for the past two years. It has been it's been it's been an, an interesting offseason for the Georgia Bulldogs. Now there's been rumors of NCAA recruiting violation sanctions for them as well. I don't know if it's official or if anything more has come out, so I'm not going to touch on it a whole lot. However, it's one it's one that if it does come out more, it's something to not take lightly. Do I think it's going to be that big of a deal for Georgia that it's going to, you know, cause them to loot, vacate wins and, um, you know, miss out on the postseason? I don't. <laughs> I think it's just going to be one of those things where it's like, all right, Georgia, you get the slap on the wrist, you know, no, no, don't do that again. One of those things. Put them in timeout for a little bit, and then they're good. So I don't think it's going to be, you know, I don't think it's going to be one of those, all oh, you know, you should, you know, disqualify them from the postseason or anything like that. But I do think that if anything does come out of this and it's, you know, the rumors are true about the NCAA sanctions between the Georgia Bulldogs and recruiting violations, they'll get a slap on the wrist. They'll get a, 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 a small punishment, and then they're going to move forward with the rest of their offseason spring and uh, going into the fall. Now, spring for Georgia has been somewhat good besides uh, the NFL prospects with Pro Day with Jalen Carter, that situation. That's a whole other deal there. And the offseason arrest 
for a lot of those NFL prospects. It's not been a good look for them. It's also not been a, you know, it's not. It's also not fun when you lose a key part of your offense with Todd Monken going to the Baltimore Ravens. So, I mean, it's a tough stretch for Georgia currently. You add this on, it's going to be like, man, we can't catch a break, you know? But at the same time, to tie it all in, they're still favored a three-peat <laughs> going into 2023. So that tells you something about Georgia. I mean, and where they're at as a program, money-wise, financially, off the field, still, even though it's not been the best look, you think about that and you're like, man, they're still favored to three-peat. It's called recruiting and it's called coaching. And Kirby Smart is the coach to lead them in the right direction and to forget about everything that happened this offseason. While this offseason at first has not been a one to remember, you think about that and you're like, okay, let's forget that. Let's not remember that. Let's go straight into fall. Let's show them who we are. And right now, they're the Georgia Bulldogs back-to-back defending national champions. Look like Looks like they're unstoppable. And their schedule at this point is fairly, it's fairly assuming in their schedule, the way it's scheduled and lined up for them, that a playoff run for a third consecutive year and a trying to go for a three-peat looks extremely likely. Uh, It's a good setup for them right now. Recruits are on its way. Coaching is still there. Georgia's not going away anytime soon. If anything happens with this recruiting violations, I'll find out. I'll talk about it on here. And guess what? I'll most likely, hey, if anything does come out of it, I'll be the first to admit I was wrong. You know, but the way it looks in my end, I don't think it's, you know, going to be ended up that big of a deal. I think Georgia's going to end up being Georgia and competing in the SEC East and competing in the, the conference and com- trying to compete for a playoff run and a third national championship. Moving on to the transfer portal. And I said I was going to talk about this last week's episode. And I said I was going to talk about, you know, future episodes about the transfer portal and NIL and how it affects, you know, not just realignment, but affects college football as a whole. Let's kick it off with a transfer portal here. Let's not, you know, we won't talk about NIL this time. We'll talk about NIL in future episodes. And hopefully we'll get people on here on the show and we'll talk about NIL and talk about, you know, what it means, you know, for their program and what it means for, you know, just in general when it comes to high school recruits and when it comes to their program in general. But uh, the transfer portal is a big, big thing in college football. And it started, I could say it started really in 2018, but I mean, it's been a thing before 2018, really. I mean, transferring is, you know, it, it was a common theme before the transfer portal itself. Um, you think about guys like Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray before the transfer portal hit. Um, you think about guys like them and, okay, they walked on at Texas Tech. They didn't get their opportunity. Then they transfer out, sit out, and then play the next year and win their jobs. And they are, you know, superstars end up going to the NFL number one overall and winning Heisman trophies. Um, You think about that and it's like, whoa, you know, if they're having so much success, 
I think anybody can have success. That's how the transfer portal was created, pretty much. And uh, one of the key prospects of the transfer portal, and when and when it first came out, I guess in 2018, you could say was Joe Burrow. Uh, Joe Burrow really defined and paved the way for a lot of these guys to, you know what, if this guy can do it, go from being a second and third string in Ohio State to transferring and winning uh, as a graduate transfer and winning the national championship the next season and winning the Heisman Trophy and having one of the best best seasons for a quarterback in college football history, you know what, I can do that and I can be successful. So, that's how the transfer portal just sets up. Now, at first, it was for, okay, if you transfer, you got to sit out a year. Only graduate transfers can play immediately. That's also changed (laughs) ever since, you know, the transfer portal became a more popular thing and people and more people started transferring. You know, it's not just graduate transfers. It's now, if you're a undergrad, if you're a sophomore, freshman, you can play one season transfer and you're you know starting immediately at another school now there's pros and cons pros are if you need to transfer and you feel like you're not getting you know the enough playing time or if you feel like hey i can be successful playing right now i feel like i should be playing right now but y'all aren't but i'm not getting you know enough playing time i'm gonna go over there and make a difference over there and get my playing time and make an impact so if you feel like that Go for it, and you need to transfer. And I feel that way about a bunch of players. Uh, I felt as much as this, you know, is weird to say. I feel like that about Caleb Williams from USC. Uh, he tra- he started at Oklahoma and he played. Um, was he if he would have stayed at Oklahoma, he probably would have started with Brenton Venables. I'm not saying that. However, it's also not just about playing time; it's about the right fit. And he fits in with Lincoln Riley and his offense. So I felt that way about Caleb Williams. I felt like he needed to transfer to Oklahoma uh, from Oklahoma to USC and, you know, play and showcase his skills and win the Heisman Trophy on a national level. Um, Carson Steele, he went over from, I'm, I'm trying to think, I think it was New Mexico State. No, it was Montana State. My, my my fault, Montana State. And he went from Montana State to UCLA to now showcase his skills in the Pac-12 because he felt like he wanted to more, you know, more highlight, a more of a highlight career and a more highlight, you know, for himself to get, you know, recognition to go to the National Football League eventually. Players like that, I feel like, need the transfer. Players who I feel like aren't doing so hot on their teams currently and feel like a fresh scene, a fresh, you know, change of scenery would be good. I felt like, you know, would be, you know, would be fine. You know, you lose your starting job, you're not going to play anyway, but you feel like you're going to be good enough to play. I.e., Walker Howard from LSU, quarterback who transferred from LSU to Ole Miss. Go. I mean, if you okay, listen, if you feel like okay, these guys are ahead of me are really talented, they're really good. I feel like I'm not going to get enough time to play, and I feel like I can showcase my skills immediately. Go and transfer and get ready to, you know, suit up elsewhere. So I get that. There's there's pros to that. The cons about the transfer portal are everybody just jumps in. If one, I mean, things, you know, don't end up going their way, and that's not me bashing anybody. That's just, you know, 
how it ends up being sometimes. If things don't work out in their favor, like, okay, they started the whole time. They were getting exposure, but they get benched once, and then they hop the hop into the portal because they feel like it's unfair for them, you know, to get benched or, you know, unfair treatment or like that. I don't agree with that at all. I think ride it out, and I think see where your future lies. Now, if it is in the transfer portal and it's elsewhere, hop in the portal, go for it. Um, and But at the same time, you know, if you feel like you have a good chance at starting and you're just going to transfer just to transfer, I don't think that's necessarily right. And I don't think it's necessarily, you know, not just right, but fair to your school that you're transferring from anyway. So it was like that until they added some regulations to it. Regulations being, you know, the early periods and window periods, you know, for that. So during the college football season, used to a lot of people could transfer in and out during season. And everyone was like, man, you, we need to get a hold of this. You know, it's turning into free agency. And, 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 and right now it's kind of like free agency in college football. College football is easily turning into a semi-pro sport. It's while it is in the back of my mind, or I like to think so still, student athlete, it's also semi-pro, you know, which means you're getting ready to, to go pro. And it's sort of it's sort of mind-boggling to think that we've come a long way in college football to feel like, okay, this is, you know, no longer just, you know, getting good grades and playing academically and playing collegiate football. You're not just playing collegiate football. You know, you're making money in college football. You're transferring and having free agency and you get to decide where you want to go and people are diving into the portal and people and coaches are diving into the portal to recruit other players to come to their team immediately and start immediately. Again, I don't have anything against the transfer portal other than the cons of if you're if you're already starting, you know, if you're already playing, why are you transferring, you know? I guess because it's a trendy thing to do. I'm not for that. I'm all I'm all for the transfer portal if you need a fresh start and you need and you feel like you have the want and you know the desire to play football and you need a transfer. I totally agree with that. But if it's just a trendy thing to do, you know, wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, you know, I would, you know, advise just to think about it and reevaluate if you feel like you're getting the opportunity there, but you're just doing it for a trend. I advise just to think about that for a little bit. Now, the transfer portal is necessary and it's useful. Like I said, there's window options to it now, which is good. There's, uh, you know, there's early periods like, you know, for now on, if you're in call, if you're in season, you can't transfer immediately. You can wait. You got to wait until that window opens up in the postseason, you know, for conference during conference championships and bowl season and all that. That's when that window opens up. You can decide then, okay, I'm going to transfer for next season and go somewhere else, or I'm comfortable where I'm at. Then the window period for that closes around mid-January, and then there's another window period during the spring. So, okay, in the early period, you transfer or you're not, you know, you transfer now and feel like, okay, I'm going to go somewhere else and try to, you know, compete for a job, starting job in spring you know, practice for this team. Or you can be like, okay, I'm going to wait it out, weigh out my options, and go into spring with this team and see where I'm at. Now, that's where the second window comes in for the spring. You have around, after, around you know, early April 
till late April, till after spring. So when spring ball is happening, that window's opening up. Then you ride the spring out, and then you have the option to decide, okay, this isn't working out during spring ball, spring practice. I'm going to go somewhere else. And then you hop into the portal then. After spring practice is over, that window closes. And then for undergrads, it won't open back up possibly until December. So under uh, that's for undergrads usually. For graduate students, you're eligible to get in the portal whenever. If you're graduated and you're a graduate transfer, you can transfer, you know, all year round. You know, if you just feel like, hey, this isn't the right spot for me after even having spring ball and you felt like it was at first, then you're having a change of heart and you're a graduate transfer already, hop in the portal and go somewhere else. Now, like I said, the portal has changed the way we do things in college football. You can go and grab anybody from anywhere, it seems like. The biggest stars of college football who are currently in football right now have transferred. Most notably, like I just mentioned, Caleb Williams from Oklahoma to USC. USC is the Heisman winner, and he went because Lincoln Riley did leave Oklahoma to USC. Caleb Williams felt like in the offseason, I, I, I'm going to you know hit the portal, leave Oklahoma, and go to USC and go to Los Angeles to play for Lincoln Riley. He's my coach, you know. I want to you know be around him. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's changed everything. Really, it's changed the whole way we do things in college football. Used to be in old school football and old school college football when NIL and all this wasn't involved. When you transferred, you had to sit out a whole year and then play that next season. So it was, you know, like, okay, you know, things are different from when you watched it back in 2010, you know? So it's, it's just the way college football works nowadays. You can't just focus on freshman recruiting. You got to focus on, okay, let's win now. Now, I mean, it's not just building on to, to the future. And yeah, you know, you need to build on to the future. Freshman incoming recruits count, you know, freshman class counts. But, you know, you got to win now too. And I mean, that's what a lot of people do, you know, in college football. That's why the portal's here, you know, for college football teams. It benefits teams. I mean, prime example, Jaden Daniels from LSU. He went from Arizona State to LSU, he started, won the job, and Brian Kelly and Jaden Daniels won some won some football games. They won the West. They went to the SEC Championship. Unfortunately, uh, didn't pan out the way they wanted to against Georgia, but who who last year was going to really and truly beat a Georgia bo- football team? Maybe Ohio State could have done it, but that's a different story. But it worked out because they won football games. Hendon Hooker hit the transfer portal up, and he went to Tennessee. Had a successful first season. They went to the Music City Bowl. And then the next season came back and put up lights out numbers. Almost won the Heisman Trophy and could have won the Heisman Trophy. Unfortunately, he tore his ACL and got hurt uh, a couple of weeks out before the trophy ceremony to begin with. So, I mean, the transfer portal is, you know, a huge, huge thing for college football. It benefits and it can also be a team's worst nightmare. You know, your star player on your team could end up leaving and it, you know, it hurts your team. So again, pros and cons to it, just like NIL, just like anything in, in football, it, pros and cons to anything really. So the transfer portal does end up 
benefiting you and it can also be your worst enemy. And that's how I view the, the college football landscape with the transfer portal. Um, going with the rankings right now, because this is interesting, because we're talking about the transfer portal a lot, a lot of teams, you know, getting good recruits and a lot of teams, you know, benefiting and starting off early in the spring are benefiting from those recruits and transfers. So, I mean, we're going to just dive deep into this really quick. And this is going to be the last thing we talk about for Pigskin Frenzy today. So the transfer rankings so far, and this is the top five according to 24-7 Sports. They do a good job out there. Shout out to them. Go look at the rankings. And, you know, they get updated almost every week. So uh, go and look at that. Not just that, go and look at the recruiting rankings as well for college football going into 2023. So the top five as we stand right now. We have Colorado at number one, um, in the words of Deion Sanders. They're coming. Uh, <laughs> number two, LSU. Number three, Florida State. Number four, Auburn. And number five, USC. Number one, Colorado. We also, we all, we're all going to think that Colorado wouldn't have been up there. Uh, a, a lot of Jackson State recruits were going to, you know, think about hitting the portal and following Deion Sanders to Colorado. And not just that. You know, when Deion Sanders announced he was going to go to Colorado, a lot of teams remember where were like, thinking, oh, this is intriguing. You know, Coach Prime is now in Boulder, Colorado in the Pac-12. That's interesting. You're thinking of he's going to a team that has not had success previous years. And, and not just in the previous years, let's talk about the past decade, has not had the best success. They've had oh, possibly one good season, one good 11-win season out of, you know, the past 10 11 years. Um, and, and that's not a knock. It's just, you know, stating the facts. So, uh, Colorado is looking to change that and change their direction with Deion Sanders. They had a transfer rule to where if you transferred all of your credit hours academically would not count. Now, Deion Sanders has changed that mold in Colorado. If you transfer to Colorado now, all your transfer credits and classes will count if you go, you know, it'll, it'll all transfer over to Colorado if you come and play football for Deion Sanders. He changed that, and he's looking to change the mold in Colorado and build it back up to a winning program. So, I mean, he's got a lot of good recruits, including his son, Shadur Sanders, at quarterback. Uh, defensive back Travis, uh, Travis Hunter is there. He was a two-way player for Jackson State. Most likely will just play defensive back for Colorado, unless, you know, something changes and he becomes a two-way player up at Colorado. But Travis Hunter was the number one prospect for, um, for you know, in the transfer portal, and he went to Colorado to play for Coach Prime. A bunch of commits. They have over 25 commits there. Um, and like Deion Sanders said, and like Coach, uh, Coach Prime has said, they are coming in general. They are on their way to becoming, you know, a threat to college football. And we'll talk about Colorado in future episodes and as we get closer to the season because I kind of want to see how spring plays out for them. They look motivated and they look ready to make an impact uh, sooner rather than later. So, number two, LSU. LSU had a big splash last year in the 2022 transfer rankings. Um, they're having a big splash this year in the 2023 rankings. Uh, they were number one at one point before Colorado jumped them and got a lot of recruits in there. LSU has 12 commits, including 
a lot in, in the defensive back area, including Texas A&M. Once Texas A&M defensive back De, uh, Denver Harris, he transferred to LSU. We had Deuce Chestnut from Syracuse. He ended up transferring to LSU. And we have a linebacker from Oregon State, Omar Spates, end up tra- ended up transferring from uh, Oregon State to LSU. And he'll play alongside the phenom himself, Harold Perkins, who was arguably the SEC defensive player of the year uh, front runner coming up in the 2023 season. Behind them is the team they're going to play, I mean, September 3rd in Orlando, and that's Florida State. Ever since Florida State had their season last year, a lot of recruits and a lot of, you know, transfer people who were going into the transfer portal were looking at Florida State and was like, oh, you know, that's an intriguing, you know, intriguing, you know, direction that Florida State's going in. Oh, I might want to you know, try my hand at that. They got, South Carolina tight end Jaheim Bell transfer from South Carolina to Florida State. That's a good pickup for Jordan Travis. Uh, you know, and he's also coming back. Jordan Travis, who was an overall solid quarterback last season, and is going to be even better this year. He's going to have one more run at it. Florida State, along with Clemson, are the top picks to win the ACC. Florida State is looking like, you know, they're going to be a threat. In co- not just in the ACC, but in college football. Primetime game on Sunday, Labor Day weekend, LSU, Florida State. That's going to be huge. Number four is Auburn. <laughs> and and I kind of had a feeling Auburn was going to be around in the top spots for the trans in the transfer rankings just because of uh, Hugh Freeze's resume as a coach, and he's a great recruiter. Transfer. Freshman recruits, it doesn't matter. Hugh Freeze is a, a solid recruiter, good coach overall, and they're looking to change the uh, complexion and direction of that program sooner rather than later. I mean, there's been a lot of good recruits coming in. Demario Tolan, the linebacker from LSU, transferred in conference to Auburn, and a lot of other good recruits as well going in to Auburn, Alabama, and playing for Hugh Freeze. So, I mean, they're looking solid. And then you have number five to round it out. You have USC, who was a juggernaut last season, and the number, and then and also number one in the 2022 transfer rankings. Most notably, picking up Heisman winner uh, from last season, Caleb Williams. USC is continuing to bring in top transfers from across, you know, the portal and across college football. Those are the rankings, and those are the teams that I would, you know just solely on the rankings, it matters. So, I mean, these transfers rankings do matter. So just keep an eye out for these five teams, uh, Colorado, LSU, Florida State, Auburn, USC. Keep an eye out for them and just watch, you know, watch what they do in the spring. And, I mean, they are bound to impress. So just keep an eye out for them and, and go and check on the rankings for recruiting and for transfer. They update usually almost every week. So transfer, incoming recruits, go to 24-7 Sports and check out the recruiting rankings on there. That is all for today's episode. Again, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to listen to some college football coverage and news and highlights presented by me. Uh, YouTube, subscribe on there, uh, like the episode and leave a comment down below if you have thoughts on the transfer rankings, if you have thoughts on the transfer portal as a whole, and if you have thoughts about the NCAA proposed rule changes or Georgia sanctions that are rumored 
to be happening in Athens. If you uh, listened on Podbean, share around with others, follow on there. If you listen on Spotify, share around on there and follow on there as well. Facebook, we have Facebook. Don't forget about that. Uh, type it in, Pigskin Frenzy. Like on there. Share around on there. And also, uh, if you follow on there, you get notifications for episodes and updates on that. You also get news and highlights uh, from across college and NFL football. Twitter, at Pigskin underscore Frenzy. Follow the page on there. You get notification updates for episodes and news and highlights across college and NFL football. A big thank you for tuning in and listening and watching NFL on Thursday. So I'm Joel Norris signing off, and we will see you Thursday for an NFL edition of Pigskin Frenzy.